Today on the Locked On Hornets podcast, the Hornets are clear of summer league, but they've still got some work to do in the offseason, including at the backup point guard position where several names are popping up in the rumor mill. Plus, the sale of the team is approved. What's next? And Kimba goes to Monaco. That's all today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. We're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, we live. We live. This is Locked On Hornets. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. That's right. We're on every single day. Well, except for last Friday, we took a little bit of a break. It's okay. We get one every once in a while, but now... At least I'm back here on a Monday, usually joined by Walker Mail, who is my co-host from WFNZ. Actually, I guess I'm the co-host. He's the host. You know, if you want to put it in like roles, if you want to define things, I guess that's how we have it set up. But anyway, the power's out at Walker's place. Duke Power doesn't want us to succeed. So he's taking another day off. He's getting a long, long weekend. But I'm here to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. That's PricePicks.com. Promo code Locked On. Thank you for making Locked On Hornets your first listen every day. We are free. We are available. We are daily wherever you get podcasts, including on YouTube. You can get more of my work, by the way, on my Substack, my baby, every Hornets box score at everyhornetsboxscore.com. Okay. So I want to get into some of these backup point guard rumors, the names that are popping up around the Hornets' orbit as they look to do something at that position. Teo Maladone also hanging around still with his qualifying offer there, waiting, probably waiting on something to happen with P.J. Washington before that gets inked. But Teo's still there, but they still probably got to do something at the backup point guard position. We'll talk about that here in a second. Also want to talk about the sale of the team being approved by the Board of Governors and what happens next. And then an old face, Kimball Walker, signs overseas. Uh, happy for him, uh, but want to take that opportunity to revisit the sign and trade that sent Kimball Walker to the Celtics. Okay, let's get into these backup point guard rumors. So the two names are, I won't keep you waiting any longer. The two names that we have uh, in the rumor mill right now are DeLon Wright, who currently is under contract, final year of a two-year deal, around $8 million for the Washington Wizards. So if DeLon Wright comes to the Hornets, it would be via some kind of trade, whether it's a direct trade with the Washington Wizards or whether it was some kind of, you know, part of a deal, maybe a deal for uh, Damian Lillard that said Damian Lillard to Miami. Maybe there's some chance that they can get involved there and bring DeLon Wright through a trade package that way because Miami has all of these things that apparently Portland doesn't want, like Tyler Hero, so they've got to f- figure out some kind of wizardry. <laughs> to make it happen, and maybe the Hornets could make it happen that way, or a direct trade, um, or or some other kind of maneuver uh, that doesn't involve Damian Lillard. So that that's the situation with DeLon Wright. And the other name is Edmund Sumner, who last played for the Brooklyn Nets, also uh, played a few years with the Indiana Pacers. Uh, but Brooklyn recently, they, they like delayed the time that they had to sign him and then decided, okay, we're just going to part ways. They released him. So several teams have been rumored uh, to be interested in Sumner's uh, tools, his skills, and so the Hornets will have to compete if they would want to bring Edmund Sumner 
What are they looking for out of the backup point guard position based on these two names? Well, I think the, the number one thing is defense at the point of attack. That's what both of these players uh, are, have made their name on. I, I mean, these are guys that are work-for-a-living NBA players. These are not marquee names, uh, not, ki- not the kind of names that you would typically lead a show like this with, but the backup point guard position for the Charlotte Hornets is particularly important for a number of reasons. Number one, they don't have anyone there right now. Teo Maladone still hanging out on that qualifying offer, probably going to be back, but doesn't give you defensively, I think, what you need at the point guard position. Can manage an offense is it would be a good, you know, third option at the point guard position, would give you some stability there because he knows the system, but is not the kind of player that you really want to depend on and bring off the bench for any kind of defensive impact. And having depth at the point guard position is going to be important for the Charlotte Hornets because, yes, they've just signed LaMelo Ball to this massive contract, but there are still injury concerns. He's coming off of four ankle injuries. He's 100% healthy, bone is healed, as multiple people have said around the organization. Weird way to describe it, but the bone is healed, the bone is 100%, the bone is healthy, but you still want to have something behind LaMelo Ball uh, especially if you you know are bringing back players like Miles Bridges with the intention to make a playoff run. If we're not talking about Lamelo missing an entire season, if he misses an entire season, then then the season's over. Uh, but I don't think you can expect Lamelo Ball to play all 82 games. You can hope for that. I hope for that. But you can't expect it. And so you need some depth there, which is why going into the season with just Teo Maladone. I think it would be a mistake. You've got to replace what you left behind by not making Dennis Smith Jr. a priority in free agency. And what Dennis Smith Jr. gave you was somebody that could guard the point of attack, could guard the ball handler, could put not just guard, not just contain, but put pressure on that point of attack. That's what Dennis Smith Jr., he harassed people. He was in guys' shirts. And I think that's what they're going to be looking for for players like DeLon Wright, who rates an A-plus on B-ball index for perimeter ISO defense. Um, And then Sumner, for his part, is a B-plus. And really, this comes down to, do you want to give up a lot, in quotation marks? I mean, it's it's DeLon Wright. So you're not giving up first-round picks. We're talking about multiple second-round picks, maybe a young piece, maybe multiple young pieces to make the contracts work. Uh, because I don't think the Hornets have any exceptions that they could just send assets for DeLon Wright. And I'm sure Washington, who is re- they're, they're in a semi-rebuild themselves, so they're, they're going to want assets. They're going to want stuff to make their future a little bit brighter. How much do you want to give up for a DeLon Wright who would be the better player of the two? Or do you try to convince Sumner to come, and then you have to give up anything except for cap space? And, you know, Sumner probably wants a little bit more than the $2.6 million that he was looking for, looking at with Brooklyn. Otherwise, they probably wouldn't have parted ways. So how much are you willing to give up there cap space-wise? I mean, it's going to be $8-plus million on the final year of DeLon Wright's deal, so anything below that is going to be value relative to DeLon Wright. But DeLon's the better player. I mean, there's no doubt about that. You're getting, uh, according to B-Ball Index, A-minus defensive impact and A-minus offensive impact. Now, DeLon Wright doesn't do a lot offensively, but when he does something, it's generally effective. And I think out of this backup point guard position, 
you really don't need that player to do a lot for you offensively because you, you've got some weapons coming off the bench. You've got PJ if if they sign PJ Washington, you've got PJ Washington. You've got Brandon Miller who's going to uh, need some space to uh, be effective offensively. So you know he's going to need the ball in his hands a little bit more. So you've you've got some players that can help you offensively. You really need this backup point guard position to sacrifice offensively and really help you with that point of attack defense. And that's what um, DeLon Wright can do. He can also replace when, when LaMelo sits, if you play DeLon Wright without LaMelo, he also can replace a little bit of that offensive rebounding at the guard position that LaMelo gives you. He's rated pretty highly as an offensive rebounder, as a rebounder in general for the point guard position. Again, you're not asking them to do a lot of that, but you are getting some of that uh, value there. Uh, now, Here's the thing, though, with DeLon Wright versus Sumner. Sumner's the better shooter. There's no doubt about that. If you're getting DeLon Wright, you are getting DeLon Wright because you are 100% confident he can come in and make an impact on the defensive end of the floor. But you are way less confident in his three-point shooting ability, which he grades as a C plus. He's an average three-point shooter for the position. Okay, Sumner is a well above average three-point shooter. You are truly getting three and D with Sumner where you're just getting exceptional defense and Sumner's probably going to want to shoot a little bit more too. That's the thing with Sumner. I think there's going to be more, he's going to want more offensive responsibility than DeLon Wright, which makes this, again, this is kind of an interesting choice. If, the, if this is the choice that the Hornets are presenting themselves with and they don't have any other players in mind that they're looking at, it presents an interesting choice because you have some contrast in here um, with the two players. Now, the other thing the Hornets need is veteran experience, playoff experience. DeLon Wright gives you that. He's been in multiple playoff series. Uh, he did get to an Eastern Conference Finals, but that was in his rookie year in 2016 with Toronto. Didn't play a lot. Um, you know, didn't really get into uh, a lot of playoff minutes until later in his career. But he has multiple playoff series, whereas Sumner had the two with Indiana, which were both 4-0 bounces. And he had one with Brooklyn, which was also a 4-0 bounce in the first round. So, <laughs> I mean, he'd fit right in, you know, in Charlotte. They're used to getting 4-0 bounced. Uh, but uh, Toronto, that experience that DeLon Wright had in Toronto in the playoffs, I think, you know, and being 30 years old, which is ancient in NBA years at this point, came to the league late. So he came in at 23 so he's not, you know, in terms of years, he's not as experienced as maybe some other players. But in terms of age, how long he's been playing the game of basketball, he would offer you that experience. And everything you read about DeLon Wright is like ultimate professional. You know, guy, just a guy, just a lunch pail guy, a guy that everyone loves to write about because he comes in, he makes his impact, doesn't make a lot of noise, doesn't ask a lot, and just does his job. And, and I think the Hornets could, could benefit from that. So if you're asking me, who do I want? I'm going to go right. If they're willing to give up something, you know, if, if Washington is reasonable about what they would like in return for uh, Wright, then DeLon Wright, I think, would be an excellent addition. I don't think Sumner would be a terrible addition, but I think there's just no question that DeLon Wright, uh, with his playmaking ability too, I mean, he's a, uh, he's a driver, he's a finisher too. Like, that's something they need as well. A guy that can get to the rim and actually make a layup, that's DeLon Wright in spades. 
Playmaking, he races an A minus. Assist points for 75 possessions, 14.2. That's in the 87th percentile. There weren't a lot of guys doing it better. So then again, you get a guy in LaMelo Ball who's like the number one guy at that. And you replace him in limited minutes, sure, but with a guy who's also rated really highly at that. I like replacing guys with the same kind of guy if they're doing things that all benefit the team. Sometimes you like contrast, but sometimes it's also good to have, especially the point guard position, to have really stability across the board. And there is this major contrast in that DeLon Wright can play uh, some pretty amazing defense. Okay, that's my spiel on the backup point guard position, but we've got a lot more to get to on this show, including the fact that the Hornets team has sold. Well, I guess almost. They came one step closer. We'll tell you about that and what's next. But first, I want to talk to you about Prize Picks. They've been uh, supporting this show a long time, and you should support them too. What is Prize Picks and how does it work? Well, you go to Prize Picks and you pick two to six players. And if they go on to score more or less than their prize picks projections, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. That's the kind of fantasy that I like. No competing against other people. You're just competing against the projections. Price Picks offers projections on any sport that you watch. I can't wait for Price Picks to come back, for the NBA to come back, so I can play Price Picks with the NBA. But you don't have to wait, and I don't either, because it includes the NFL, the MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, Euro basketball, cricket, and more. How could there be more? I think I just named every sport, but prize picks, somehow they've done it. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Safe and fast withdrawals. They're currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. So download the prize picks app. Go see for yourself. Go to pricepicks.com, sign up, play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. If you deposit $100, Price Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Price Picks will give you $50. Don't forget to enter promo code Locked On at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Back here on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Thanks so much for making us your first listen every single day. We've got some news that broke late in the weekend on Sunday from Adrian Wojnarowski. ESPN sources tell him that the NBA's Board of Governors has approved the sale of the Charlotte Hornets to a group led by Rick Schnall and Gabe Plotkin, clearing the way to end Michael Jordan's 13-year run as majority owner. He goes on to tweet the completed sale of the team purchased at an approximate $3 billion valuation will be executed in the next one to two weeks. So that's an important note that the Board of Governors approval was just another step towards finalizing this deal. It doesn't mean that the deal is finalized, but it's largely expected to close. You know, all those financial details has to be worked out. Uh, does Michael Jordan get to keep his office? We don't know. Does Will Rick Schnall and Gabe Plotkin as co-governors come in and like put a piece of yellow tape down the middle of it and say, all right, this side of Michael Jordan's office is yours and this side is mine and do not cross the line. I don't know how any of it works. It's all very strange to me, uh, but here we are. We have Michael Jordan who uh, bought a team and uh, you know is now seeding uh, control of that team is not completely disappearing, is going to have a minority stake in the team. And Woj 
and Adam Silver and a lot of people have gone a little bit out of their way to say that Michael Jordan will still have a presence with the team. It's difficult to say what exactly that means, although I think if you just look at his involvement with the team, his direct involvement with decision-making, his general interest in the team, I don't expect him all of a sudden to go to a minority stake and to start to take more of an interest in the team. I would expect, actually, Rick Schnall and Gabe Plotkin to have full control of the day-to-day operations, to make a lot of the decisions, and to feel free to move forward you know, with their vision of the franchise, consulting Michael Jordan for sure, but uh, I, I don't, you know, expect him to suddenly become, you know, more interested in the franchise. I think his interests lie now with NASCAR and some of the other ventures that he's gotten himself involved in in the world of sports. Um, so uh, this essentially will mean that Rick Schnall and Gabe Plotkin in a couple of weeks uh, will be the co-governors you know, of this franchise, along with an assortment of, uh, you know, minority investors uh, as well. And so what does that mean for the season? I don't know that in the short term it means all that much. I think Steve Clifford will continue to be the coach until further notice. Mitch Kupchak will continue to be the general manager until further notice. But I also think that to assume that they won't clean house until the, and they being the the new owners, Schnall and Plotkin, won't clean house until the end of this season, I think is a bad assumption. You know, I think that they, you know, they could absolutely, if the season were to go wrong in some way, if they weren't even to, you know, if, if the season were to go as poorly as it did last season in terms of record-wise, and you didn't have the injuries to fall back on as an excuse, I could absolutely see them saying, all right, we're just going to move forward now. We're going to look, you know, for an interim solution at coach. We're going to shake things up. We're going to show our authority here. We're going to say, hey, there are a couple of new sheriffs in town, buddy. And, you know, Mitch Kupchak, see ya. We're going to look for somebody else to run the front office before this season is over. I think it's more likely with the talent that they've added, if everyone stays healthy, you know, they may flirt with a play-in opportunity. I think you'll, you'll see this team stick with stability. But to say that, it, that it's not going to happen under any circumstances, I think, is a bad assumption because at some point, whether it's – this season, whether it's this offseason. That's the other thing, too. That, you know, everyone's assuming, well, they'll keep Steve Clifford because uh, he's got another year on his contract. Well, and there are no other coaching options. You know, all the other good coaching options have already gone. That's a good argument for keeping Steve Clifford, and I buy that argument. Uh, and with the front office, well, there's still some deals to be done. PJ and his team, they're dealing with Mitch Kupchak and that team, so it would be probably a bad move to move away. Again, good argument. I like that argument. But I'm just saying – that to assume that these two people won't come in and say, well, forget all of that. We want to do it our way. I mean, when you, when you pay this much money for something, uh, you take, you know, I don't know. I, when I buy stuff, I'm a tech, you know, I'm a tech nerd. I buy, you know, cameras and lights and do hickeys and, and I've never paid $3 billion for things. Right. But if I pay a lot of money for a new camera, when it arrives on my doorstep, I take it out of the box. I don't just say, well, you know, I might, I don't have another job to use this camera on for a couple of weeks. So I'd, I'd just put it on the shelf until then. No, I want to take it out of the box and I want to use it. I want to play with it. 
You know, that's just that to me, that's human nature. And so, yes, there are some there are some reasonable arguments to be made why you would want to have continuity, especially with a coach that your star player likes. Like all of that makes sense to me. I'm just saying I I tend to want to put a few eggs in the basket of betting on human nature to take over and for a team of people to come in and say, okay, especially on the front office front and say, look, we've looked over the past couple of years and all we see are uh, a lot of inaction on the trade market and the free agency market. And we've seen a a lot of uh, losses. We've seen some winning seasons too. We've seen some play-in bursts, but we saw two blowout play-in losses as well. And where are the adjustments? I could see them looking at that and saying, okay, we need to move in a, a different direction for the front office and you know, let's do that immediately. Why wait on that? Uh, you know, bring in your own scout. If you if you have people that you think can scout for this next upcoming draft better for 2024, then why not bring them in now? Let get that process going now. Uh, so you know, I, I'm just saying there are reasonable arguments for everybody to stay, but buckle up because once this deal is finalized, at that point you enter into anything can happen. Because when you own, when you when you're dealing with someone in Michael Jordan that has run the franchise for 13 years, there's some predictability there. There is, hey, we've got a lot of evidence of what Michael Jordan is willing to do and what he's willing not to do. And with even with Mitch Kupchak, you have plenty of past evidence on what he's willing to do and what he's willing not to do. And they've been generally predictable. I think to a fault, they've been predictable. And once you enter in two new names, then anything can happen. So I'm just saying, buckle up, okay? Coming up on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. Got to talk about Kimba Walker. Kimba Walker uh, moving his career overseas, signing with AS Monaco to play overseas, and happy for Kemba. Want to talk about, uh, want to revisit, use the third segment to revisit that sign and trade that sent Kemba Walker to the Boston Celtics. That's coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Stick around. Is Locked On Hornets. Mitch Kupchak, will he do the thing that he has not done in season? This anything. Time? The thing that he has not done <laughs> it is anything. It comes back to do something. <laughs> Just do, do one thing. You need to get a stick from outside and become the meme in person because that it always comes back to do something do something (laughs) it's time for more of the locked on hornets podcast watching that bump i miss walker he's gonna be back tomorrow so i don't have to miss him for very much longer but uh yeah i gotta have my buddy here to talk some hoops i don't know that he's gonna have all that big of opinion on Kemba Walker going to AS Monaco, but maybe I'll ask him about that tomorrow too. Uh, I'm happy for Kemba. Said it multiple times. I just want to make it clear uh, that Kemba Walker, uh, you know, continuing his basketball career is great. Uh, Unfortunately, it can't happen in the NBA. Uh, You know, spent some time in Oklahoma City, spent some time in Dallas after it didn't work out in Boston because of injuries, injuries to his knees, limiting the thing that made Kemba Walker Kemba Walker, there was a there was there was a thing. There was three point shooting, but he's short, so he needed 
a thing to get him open for three-point shooting. And that thing was his ability to cross a guy over, break their break their ankles, you know, get to the mid-range jump shot, get to the three-point jump shot. You know, he needed his knees, and his knees abandoned him to the point that the you know NBA teams felt like his value was too diminished to bring back for for a roster spot because defensively, you know, Clifford would always say that defensively people underrate him. And and while that is was true for the Charlotte Hornets, he did still have defensive limitations due to his size. And when you have limitations either on the offensive end or on the defensive end, if you have size limitations, you have to make up for it in other areas to justify your existence on a roster. It's probably why the Hornets went Brandon Miller, because when you draft, when you draft tall, lengthy guys, they don't have to compensate as much on one end of the floor or the other because they've got the size thing taken care of. Kimba had to compensate. And when the knees went, all of that compensation went. And so now he finds himself um, in Monaco, but I'm happy that he's continuing his, his career because it, it's awesome that there are these avenues for players um, to, to keep it going because it's what he loves. He obviously loves the game of basketball and he loves Charlotte and he loved everything that he accomplished here. But ultimately he wanted to make max money when he made uh, the, the all NBA slot that opened up a level of money for him that the Hornets were not willing to pay. But I think it's important to note, as we look back on the sign and trade that sent Kimba to Boston, in return, the Hornets got Terry Rozier. A lot of people laughed at that deal at the time. I think I don't think you could find many people at this point that would argue that, the, that Boston won that deal because they didn't get what they wanted to get out of Kimba Walker. And the Hornets, I think, you can criticize Terry Rozier uh, for, for not being like an all NBA level player, that's fine. But, you know, Terry Rozier has contributed a lot to this franchise and has been a, a clutch shooter, has been a certified gamer for this franchise and poured on the points. Yeah, yes, there are some things that he doesn't do defensively. You're, you're not going to win if Terry Rozier is your best player. They proved that last season. They didn't win because Terry Rozier was their number one option. Uh, but as a number two and a half, three option. You know, Terry Rozier, I think, has proven uh, that he can be an impact player, which I think was a question mark while he was coming off the bench in Boston. I don't think a lot of people thought that he could come in and be a starter-level player on a team that I think, had they been able to put the pieces together a few years ago, they won 43 games, they got into the play-in spot, had they not gotten blown out, had they, you know, and and look, Terry Rozier was a part of that, to be fair. Like, he did not play well in um, in that blowout. But, you know, he has uh, been an impact player. So I don't think you're going to get many people who would argue that the Hornets got the short end of that deal. But also, I think we should note that the Hornets were willing to pay Kimba Walker something. It just wasn't the supermax that Kimba ultimately got. They were willing to give him $160 million. It just wasn't the, uh, I don't know what the final number was, but it was north of $200 million. They just weren't willing to give him that much money. They said 160, I think it was 61 million less. So do the math there, uh, you know, yeah, 220. So 220 is what he was looking for. The Hornets said, nah, let's do 160. And if the if if Kimba had said yes to that, if Kimba had said, all right, you know, I'll take the hometown discount because I really do love playing in Charlotte. 
I want to break, I not only want to break the records because I've already done that, I want to put it out of reach. And he had said yes. I mean, I, I understand chaos theory. Maybe things would have turned out completely different from Kevin Walker, but I don't think so. Because when we were talking about this deal, my two concerns were, number one concern was if Kemba Walker is your best player, is your most, is your highest paid player, you're you're going to be capped as to what you can do in the playoffs, and capped in the figurative sense, but also capped in the literal sense in that you've you've invested 160 million dollars is a lot of money, so you've invested a lot of money in a player that I think if it's your best player, it's going to it's essentially it's going to mean you're going to continue to tread water. As a franchise, signing Kimba Walker would have meant treading water because I, I wasn't confident then. I'm not really confident now that this front office would have been able to complement Kimba Walker with the level of player that you would need to complement Kimba Walker with in order to have playoff success, even if Kimba Walker were healthy. But that's the number two concern, which was that I knew about all of the knee scopes, about all of the knee issues, about the knee injuries that kept him out of games. I knew about all of those. I chronicled them. And I just looked at it and said, I don't know if investing that much in a player that needs his knees. Going back to what I said at the beginning of this segment, he needed his knees to be successful. He needed them to open up space. He needed them to get space to drive, to finish at the rim. He needed his knees and his knees were saying, I know you need me. But I don't know how much I, I have left in the tank. And it's it's terribly unfortunate because Kemba, when he was um, at his peak, the Hornets got his peak. I think that's the fortunate part, is that the Charlotte Hornets, the fans, um, were able to see Kemba Walker um, at his absolute best. And that's awesome. But I don't want but here's what I'm trying to say with the Hornets giving him $160 million or, or offering him $160 million. We shouldn't look back at the sign and trade and say, the Hornets were savvy. The Hornets won that deal. No, they dodged a bullet. If we're being honest, they dodged a bullet by Kimba saying, actually, I would like to, because I gave everything to you, including my knees, I would like to go out and maximize. I would like to be rewarded fully for making an all NBA team. I would like to be rewarded fully for accomplishing what I accomplished and kudos to Kimba for doing that uh, because he probably set himself up. You know, none of this has probably transpired the way Kimba Walker wanted it to transpire. This is not how you want your NBA career to end. And this might be the, end. might not might go to Monaco and show a couple of things and a team halfway through the season. I don't think it's going to be the Charlotte Hornets. I know a lot of people were wanting that reunion to happen. It never made any sense uh, because you need DeLon Wright. You need what Edmund Sumner can give you. Uh, you don't need you don't need what Kimba, even if Kimba were healthy, you don't need that. You've got that in other places on this roster. It would be a, a totally emotional deal. And look, there's there's a time and place for emotion in sports. Uh, but handing out contracts is typically not one of them. And typically a place that hurts you if you're giving out actual real deal contracts and not like fake contracts hey come back for a game and we'll uh, because that that might happen at some point when Kimba finally hangs it up will there be hopefully there can be some kind of reunion 
uh, that involves Kemba coming back. And if you're going to retire any jersey, uh, the Hornets have not. They they have like honoraries for, uh, for well, they've retired Bobby Phil's jersey, but uh, or they put a jersey in the rafters. I don't know if that number's retired, but the they've got honorary. Uh, there's some honorary things in the arena for Dale Curry for Alonzo Mourning for some of the people that have, you know, made the franchise whatever name it whatever name recognition this franchise has. They've honored those people, uh, but they don't they don't retire jersey numbers. Kimba has the best shot. I don't know if it's going to happen because he, you know, franchises tend to wait for Hall of Fame players to do that. Is Kimba a Hall of Fame player? Well, that's a discussion for another day. We're out of time. (laughs) I get to avoid that discussion. Maybe I'll bring that up. Maybe that's the thing to ask Walker is if uh, he thinks Kimba Walker's jersey will ultimately be retired for the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, That's a conversation I'd like to actually have with someone else other than uh, myself. But this has been enjoyable. I've I've enjoyed getting getting some of these stats to you on the backup point guard rumors. A lot left to go uh, during this uh, period here. It feels almost like silly season. And when I say silly season, I mean the point at which all news stops. I don't know that it's time to declare silly season. I wanted to come on here and declare silly season and do all kinds of fun segments. But look, there's backup point guard position that they still have to take care of. There's P.J. Washington that they still have to take care of. Taylor Maladone still sitting out there. There's still news. <clears throat> the Hornets have really slow walked this free agency period. Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the Locked On Hornets podcast. I'm Doug Branson. Walker will be back with me tomorrow, Duke Power willing. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. Make sure to follow Walker on Twitter at Walker Mail. And uh, go to everyhornetsboxscore.com, sign up for free. Or if you like what you see, throw a cup of coffee at me every month. That would be nice. Uh, Keep that train going. Until next time, I'm Doug Branson for Walker Mail saying, Go Hornets! Go America! Let's swarm Charlotte! 